and gentlemen, I am the Darren W. Carter, and this is The Unknowns, Black Pitmasters, where we highlight Black barbecue enthusiasts and pitmasters all over this great land of ours. And today, we're on a podcast. <laughs> we actually, right now, have a podcast, and none other than to start off uh, this podcast is Mr. Rashid Phillips. Now, you may know Rasheed from the American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix, or but if you're in the barbecue community, you know that he's been just ripping it up as of late prior to and till today. This discussion we had of him was very interesting. It was the, he gave us some notes. So if you all have some pen and some paper, get it out right now, because he's going to tell you as we pinned the 12 commandments of barbecue and entrepreneurship. So this is part one. We'll be a part two soon, but just sit back, relax, sit back and relax, get your pen, get your paper and enjoy. Without further ado, we have Rasheed Phillips here. Um, He's no stranger to here in our IGs. He's been popped up at least 15 of them. And it's been wonderful every 50, every 15 times. And, you know, before we've had him, um, as I say, pop in, but he's never been a guest. And uh, this is the first thank you, because you're about to get a little bit before we get into this. This is the first thank you for coming on, because I kind of, I, you know, maybe I guilted a minute. I don't know, but kept asking. <laughs> and, he, and he finally agreed, and this is not an interviewer, man. So I, I greatly appreciate that. One. Um, <clears throat> two, the knowledge that he has been able to talk in the conversations that we've been able to have <clears throat> when he's popped in have been immeasurable. So I, I thank you for that, uh, for sharing your wisdom with us, but more importantly, the barbecue community. So I do appreciate that. Thank you. And three is the personal thank you. <clears throat> um, I said it once. I always say it again. Um, this gentleman who knew me from nothing, um, of course, it's all different when, you know, I know him from television, from the uh, Facebook um, pages that he was on that I, part, I happened to be a part of or whatever. Um, but when you do, every year I do a foster, you get my little foster dad shirt on. Um, foster drive, my parents, not my parents, but my wife and I are foster parents and adopted parents, actually. And each year, instead of lieu of, you know, birthday tidings to me, I ask that you donate backpacks to our local foster agency here in Cleveland. I've been doing that for like the last six years. And he heard about it here again in the live that he was in the chat on and basically just took us over the top. So, um, yeah, again, thank you. My mouth broke. It's funny because when I look back at that video, I mean, my head cooked, my mouth fell. It was just like, <laughs> but in and, and this epitomizes the barbecue community and is given efforts um, he epitomizes that, and I appreciate that. And, and I, I thank you for the thoughtfulness for you and everybody else that have, you know, whether it was one or a hundred, um, that you all would think enough of the children and help me do this for them. So I greatly appreciate it. And I think for right now that's the end of the thank you. So I think we can move forward now. So we're good. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. If I could bless. I'd probably be all red right now, but uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I truly, truly do appreciate the kind words. Far more than I deserve, but they are appreciated. Uh, well, here again, I would disagree, but, you know, we all good. Okay, Germany said it again. Okay, uh, we hear you. We hear you, Germany. There you go. There you go. So, <clears throat> one thing that has been – Kevin asked what you're drinking, by the way. Hey, Pops, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drinking on that bottle that I brought you, that, uh, that Woodford – uh, barrel oak smoke. It's real good. Well, I would join, but it's coffee. It's coffee. I, I got to go to work. I got my nearest over there. And one of the days when I don't have to go to work after this, I'm going to put the nearest in. But this is just my coffee for tonight. In our, in our last, um, uh, our little impromptu that we had the, last week, one thing you had mentioned um, I had talked about, of course, now I forget, but the premise was, oh, okay, here we go. When you, when you talked about opening our own doors, right? Yes. Uh, some of my friends saw that and 
I think they got the wrong <laughs> kiss of who you're talking to, but nevertheless, um, Dr. Kanye's welcome. How are you doing, sir? Hey, um, it, I had to, I had to sit back and digest that a little bit because I had to think about to myself, that used to be my mentality when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? I think, and this is, and maybe some of you all that I am, you know, 50 and over. Um, even though a lot of times our generation or the generation, because I remember telling my parents or telling somebody else, hey, you know, y'all need to do this. Or we was up on the technology at the time. Mm-hmm. And I see how we kind of get stuck. And, and this, it, this stems from a conversation I had a while back where a lot of older people, no matter what petition, I mean, whatever particular thing they're doing, got an issue with the younger folks and how things are going. So we're talking about that that conversation, and I'm like, yeah, why am I fighting for a seat at a table when I can build my own? Why 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 am I really doing all that energy there if I put as much energy in my own thing with my you know with people of like mindedness, <clears throat> we can build ourselves. I look at what Issa Rae and and, and um in in television. Um, what's the new girl that's in? Um, What's the name? Academy, Abbott's Academy. These people, Kugler, these oh, people yeah. are doing things. Jordan Peele. So many yeah, people. they're doing things ne- without necessarily sitting at the same table. So it opened up my eyes a little bit to be see to see how really old I am. Because even though I'm, I, I still got that. I still got a little bit of that news on me. I don't want, that's not the wrong thing to say. I still got a little, little bit of that weight on me. That's a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, breaking that mindset. And that's why I think it's good for when we're in, whether it's barbecue, whether it's business, to listen to our younger counterparts and not be so, you, you know, can't teach your old dog new tricks type of, type of thing. Yeah. Um, and it was somewhat of an, of an epiphany to me to see how far back I've, I've uh, what I want to say, I've been holding back, per se, because of the old mindset. Yeah. And with people like you, people like Dr. Conyers, um, people, you know, all of the people that came through here, Keebler, just the things that you all are doing socially, the things that you are doing with video, the things that you are doing um, with technology here. Even when I thought I had a grasp on it, it's way over my head. So I go around that to say all, you know, um, I appreciate everyone's input into what they're doing. And I hope that people that are like me um, don't disregard, not that <laughs> you all still probably bum rush them anyway, but don't disregard the wisdom that you have at you all's ages. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Um, I tell people all the time, in age, I'm, I'm, I'm older than most. Um, but serious barbecue hasn't been a 20-year thing for me. You, you see what I mean? I so to learn from you or Dr. Conyers, I'm going to sit down and be the student. And I think, unfortunately, that people of my age group don't do that as much. So if there are people here in the chat, in the room, whoever see this on a replay, um, put your pride aside. Listen to what the people have to say. Because it's not about as much as natural age. It's just as much as what you've done, what you've been through, and how long you've been through. So, here's, well, I guess it's nothing. Thank you for that. Because that kind of put me, and, and I don't want to say it put me in my place, but it kind of reminded me. It gave me a reality check again yeah. um, of how things work, you know. And that's what I love about these particular conversations. And that was way too long. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, I don't, I think, I guess, touching on that, it's, there's always going to be a moment in time where things shift a little bit, where you go from being somewhat, not a know-it-all, but very keen on everything to when Mm -hmm. someone else reminds you of something. And you just, like you said, you just have to 
set that pride aside because pride is the most dangerous sin for a reason. Uh, yep. And it can, it, pride and fear and self-doubt, you know, crush more dreams than failure does. Um, but if you can put that to the side and say, and realize, hey, there may be something that this guy's gone through or experienced or what have you. And I, I don't have a fire story where I have a lineage of barbecuers. My grandfather, we come from fishermen. I'm, I'm, I'm an ocean guy, you know, um, saw fishing. And it wasn't the traditional barbecue, but it was open fire. And that's what I know. And those are the techniques I build on and I share. So I may not have, you know, the great grandfather who taught the grandfather, the dad and all of that. But what I do have is a uh, hunger for knowledge, information and a tenacity and a drive, you know, that is very hard to beat. you know, mm -hmm. I will completely submerge myself into a subject. I'll do whatever I can not to be the best at it, but how know how to do it the best that I can do it and then continue to grow on that. And barbecue is one of those things. I can live a hundred lifetimes and I wouldn't know. But then you've got cats like um, Pops, aka Kevin Bloodsoe, who, you know, has probably forgotten more about barbecue than I'll ever learn. You know, you've got right. guys that I love to call, um, you know, friends and colleagues now, like, Rodney Scott and Sam Jones, who have forgotten more about whole hog cooking than I can pick up in any book anywhere, you know? But getting to see those experiences up close and in person and working hands-on, it's something. This isn't for, for everybody, you know? Media mm -hmm. and television definitely glamorizes what we do, and they don't shed light on how it started and the literally the back breaking and, and skin ripping work of how it got here. This is very cute now. It's very cute to turn a dial and start it and put a brisket in. And oh, I'm a pit master because I put some, you know, gerbil food in the thing and came back a couple hours later. Um, it's very cute to barbecue. But when you're rolling smoke, when you're, when you're um, splitting wood, when you're doing all this, it's laborious work. And mm -hmm. I I remember when I got like my sort of first break after the show. And it took a phone call from a buddy telling me, because I, I suffered from imposter syndrome. And I was like, I, you know, I'm not old enough to do this. And he had to come and tell me, he's like, see, you know, these people saw the show, but I've seen the work you've put in for years. You you would do your IT gig. <laughs> 12 hours, you'd have a pop-up the next day, you'd finish that, you're splitting wood, you're rolling smoke all day, you're prepping, you're loading, and then you're gonna go do your gig and you'll be booked up all weekend and you do it all over again. You know, the show doesn't really tell any backstory and I don't do interviews, so I don't think anyone would know. So um, this, the, the push for all of this just came with hustle and drive. I didn't start, um, on the side of the road or at gas stations and I don't knock anyone who does, but I had mm -hmm. a clear vision in mind when I said, all right, I'm going to go for this. So I started doing um, vineyards and wineries and chateaus. I think I was the only guy rolling smoke, you know, around multi-sophilated guys at these, you know, that were getting booked to do these wine and vineyard tastings because I realized if I want to ev uh, elevate the craft and the art and where I am in the audience, I have to start as high as I can reach at that time. And that was presenting myself to wineries and vineyards. And my mm -hmm. first break was at a brewery. But after that, I took it and went to wineries and started doing wine and smoked meat pairings, barbecue charcuterie, if you would. And I wasn't just doing pulled pork. I was experimenting doing different types of brines and pastrami's with briskets. I was doing lambs and different curries and cuts. I was dehydrating. I was making charcuterie smoke goods as best as I knew how because I knew that was different. And literally no one in Georgia was doing it at that time. So I, I swung for the fences and made that work. And then it came to, you know, how do I grow this business past that to just, I started hitting the brewery circuit. And I always tell people, you're going to get a million and one no's. I literally sat on the phone and cold called breweries every single day. 
no, no, no. And I said, okay, my food's good. I'm doing something wrong. I took a step back and I realized I'm just trying to take something, but I'm not offering anything. So I switched my, my approach and I said, okay, um, hey guys, my name's Rashid Phillips. I'd love to come feed you and your staff. Let me know when is a good day for you. And it's like, wait, what? It's yeah. like, yeah, no, no, no catch, no, no anything. I just want to feed you and your staff. You know, I'm starting out, but before I ask for your business, I want to take care of you guys and see if we're fit. I started getting a lot more yeses. And my first big break from that approach occurred at uh, a brewery. I went to feed the staff. They loved the food and I had extra to feed the patrons that were there. Once again, this was all at a cost to me. One of the patrons that I fed happened to be the uh, dean of a very prestigious private school in Alpharetta. I mean, like you need their 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 tuitions like six figures for these kids. And wow. he <clears throat> said he loved the food and would love to have me over at a school. And I was like, okay, no pun intended. I thought it was blowing smoke. But you know, I gave him my info and he gave me his and I, you know, this was a Friday and he sent me an email Monday. He's like, hey, we've got a game Thursday. I want to lock you guys in. I want you to be our food option because the parents want food. The games go late. Can you be there? That was my very first $10,000 signing gig. And it probably cost me $150 in food and some time. But I didn't know it was going to be that gig. I just went out to showcase what I could do. And I was cordial and nice to everyone. And this person was receptive of that, saw my effort, and offered me that gig. And that gig was my first $10,000 reoccurring show. I would come up every couple of days, two to three times a week. I would provide food for the uh, players and their parents. Mind you, the 10000 was just a book fee to have me there. I still made profit on whatever I sold. And doing that pop-up wow. made me so aware of so many things. It was, I, I learned so much business etiquette and tools and processing so quickly from that. And I took that knowledge and I ran with it and I doubled it down, you know? And that's just one of those little nuggets that, you know, some people are like, well, I'm, I'm losing money in this. I'm, I got to make it. No, the money will come, but you've got to just put yourself out there. I heard so many no's. I mean, so, so many no's, but I didn't let it deter me because I knew I had a good product. There's a, um, a good saying that I really love uh, originated from, uh, I think it was, ooh, was it? <clears throat> so, no, somebody, and then Kennedy flipped it and made it his own. And it says, uh, Success has a million fathers, but failure is an orphan. And uh, I, I really dig that. And I hope you all let that marinate for a bit. But it's a good one. Success has a million fathers, but failure is an orphan. And I think what makes definitely makes me different is I lean into failure like you wouldn't believe. Because I know what's coming at the end of that is some knowledge that I'm going to be able to take to the next level. That was a long answer. But yeah. <clears throat> Man, look here. <clears throat> I guess we're both long-winded. How about that? That's a good. That's good for a show, though. <laughs> failure. I used to be well. I was always a failure to failure because I was looked at <clears throat> as a failure. Um, and and not to my you know, yeah. My I've talked openly with my parents about this and you know whatever around. I mean, here again, being in the age group that I am back in the day. Having a diagnosis of ADD, ADHD was not, you know, you don't do that. You don't talk about the house because you're riding a yellow bus and I'm not going to have my kid ride the yellow bus and all that, you know, the short bus and all that kind of stuff. And it was a total different uh, mindset then than it is now. Um, now, do I think they overly medicate a lot of kids? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think sometimes it's just lack of structure, too much sugar and some other things. But then there are some legitimacies here. So. Yeah. For for most of my life until about forty three, it was an issue for me that it was undiagnosed. Uh, destroyed my marriage. Uh, I could look and tell you how many jobs I lost and everything, and then some. And even from a child of not knowing this, so <clears throat> I would end up in my life trying too hard. And in the business I tried to do, I mean, all I knew from my dad was entrepreneurship. Mm. 
Um, he had his own barbershop. He was on his, did his own thing. He never liked working for people much at all. <clears throat> I didn't know what his struggles was. Um, you know, my mom did the steady nine to five thing. Um, so I, my mindset would be to try to succeed so well to counteract the failure. I didn't embrace the failure because of the way that it was brought to me as a child. It wasn't only until older and understanding things like you just said, um, you know, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to be, <clears throat> you know, um, we hear stories of, I remember Keller, Keebler telling me how he just blew up. I mean, all his briskets got caught on fire for, yeah. you know, a friend. I remember um, oh, you man, saying how you forgot something, good. you know, um, who was who Zilla? He $2,000 worth of food. You only sell like $200. I mean, or just different things, you know, but they're learning. Yeah. Uh, learning to embrace failure. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people want to do in our days. Everybody wants to be successful real early because like you said before, it seems like things are being made so much easier. You know, but embracing that failure just catapults you so much farther really and where you can go. Um, and I wish, you know, here again, if it's, well, as I say, if it's a bus was candy enough, it'd be a great Christmas too. My old math teacher used to tell me that. And why I remember that specifically, I don't know, but he did. Um, yeah, it is. And everything else, <clears throat> I don't even remember the man's name, but I remember that. Um, but, you know, probably could I have been farther along a lot of different things at that point. Maybe sure, yeah, but things are the way that they are. Um, I'm thankful that in this venture and this passion with me that it's cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm, I'm able to do that and, and, and then move forward. But for all of us that are in any endeavor, you know, at work, you know, our nine to fives, our passion, that that embracing of failure is is key. Um, because the main thing is what? Learn from it and just attempt not to do it again. Yeah. Just, just you know, you didn't learn from that thing. You didn't know now, you know, okay, so I can't do that. <laughs> this is not a good mixture, blah, blah, blah. And and let's move forward. And you mentioned about the ethic. Now, there's been a lot of talk recently, of course, uh, pop culture about somebody who has a television show who was born, you know, kind of uh, glitzy rich, telling people, uh, women, that they don't work. So, which is difficult to, to, it's difficult to hear that coming from that particular vessel. Yes, very, very. Yeah. Um, but the doc and I, you know, and others, we chat, and to say that people don't work, it's, it's hard to work in a system that never valued your effort in the first place, much less recognized you or the effort that you put into it. That being said, if you spend the rest of your life blaming the system, nothing is going to change. I, um, coming to the States, I learned a lot of lessons very early and as I matured, more and more came. Mm -hmm. I'm 6'6", six, six. I'm built like a linebacker, I've got locks down my back, I'm, I'm a black man, but I'm a dark-skinned black man. Don't let this slide and fool you, set on more. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm about 11.58, two minutes to midnight on the right. <laughs> you, are scary. You, you are a scary man in, in, I, I in our place of residence, yes. I, I am, I am, especially if you saw where my offices are, I stick out, oh. and everyone, everyone can tell you where the offices are that are here because I'm the only one here, but I put my offices here for a reason. So that mm -hmm. they can, they're gonna have to get used to seeing me because if I do my job right, more will be coming. And mm -hmm. it took me a long time to love my skin and the skin that I'm in now. But I, I say all of that to go back to the comment of when you're told to work, the system isn't built for us. We were never categorically involved, counted, or measured in the system. So we can't really work for the system. That mm -hmm. being said, if you're waiting for someone to hand you something, you are outside <clears throat> of your mind. I'll let you know this right now. If they were to do the uh, 40 acres and a mule, it would bankrupt the U.S. Like, it would be in debt. They would never be able to do it, so it will never happen. They are never going to give you any money, any land acknowledge anything wrong, giving an apology or anything. And you hear that keyword I keep saying in there is give. 
nothing is given. People and businesses only respect take. I'm going to run that back by you one more time. People, businesses, and governments and systems only respect take. Why? Because when someone gives you something, you're like, cool, but I guarantee you, if I come over into your house right now and I take those glasses off your head, you're going to feel some type of way about it. And then mm -hmm. on my way out, I take something out of the fridge. You go, wait, wait a minute, what's going on? You're going to pay more attention. And then as I close the door, I just take the floor mat and keep going. Because I've taken so much from you, you recognize me now. Uh, you, you see me now. You acknowledge my presence now. You can ignore me if I give you something. But if I take something from you, I immediately stand out. So what do you do? You take control. How? You take market share. You take your money elsewhere. You take whatever you were giving, you start taking. It's mm. that simple. I learned that after the show, I reached out to a brand. I said, hey, I'd love to partner and work and do this and that. And I was told I was not the face they wanted to represent their brand. Cool. I was trying to have you give me something. Now you've been locked in my crosshairs for two years and I'm going to take every last bit of you that I possibly can. Rick, this is my favorite. I love this. Because, I, mean, I can't tell you how much I love to hear that. Because despite the smile, I am a petty, petty man. And I will literally dismantle your business piece <laughs> by piece. And I, it'll just be very, very slow. Before you realize it, you look up and I'm everywhere. And you're like, well, ain't that about a bitch. Kind of <laughs> on that one. <laughs> and, and, and that's how it goes. So I, I, where she's saying, you know, you're not working. No, you can't, you can't say you work because you don't, your definition of work is opulence you you don't you don't realize what the level of work and, and, and effort is you you say you want oh everyone's got just like certain sayings don't make sense to me we've all got the same 24 hours no no we don't no, no we don't no we, we don't. legitimately <clears throat> don't that person who has that 24 hours they've got an assistant who has two assistants for their assistants they've got a private chef they've got a trainer, they've got a driver, they have a whole board and team that does everything that needs to be done. So mm. they get to focus on what they want. So no, we don't have the same 24 hours, but it is up to you to make the needed sacrifices that are necessary to get you to that level of having the same 24 hours. Got to wake up earlier? Oh, okay, you can't sleep eight hours a day. I'm, I'm, I would have no business if I sleep eight hours a day. I happily keep rolling with four to six and I'm good with it because I get a lot more done. It's very quiet in the mornings when I'm doing what I have to do. I get to work yeah. out, I get ahead and boom, there you, there you go. But I think it's very ignorant of someone to state that people aren't working hard enough and that's why things are going. When you have a, a single mother who probably has done more in a week than you've completed in an entire year with your assistants and businesses and all that. And that's not to belittle anything that that person has created because they took an opportunity, no matter what their route or jumping off point was, and they, they ran, ran with it. it. But just because <clears throat> you've gotten to the top doesn't give you the right to look down upon others you pass on the way up there. Now you talked about working in the system and a <clears throat> windows one of the things that, because my wife and I talked about this before, the pandemic shifted a lot of things. You know, everybody, oh, nobody wants to come to work. Well, they don't want to work for you. Yeah. Is what's happening. They, there were a lot of, especially, I can't remember where I got the numbers from, <clears throat> but there were a lot of businesses, small businesses, that opened and started to bloom during the pandemic. And those are the people that had quit jobs and started to do their own thing. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. And we, as in people of color, were a huge part of that. Yeah. So when you talk about nobody wants to work and get off your A and work and blah, 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 I'm just not working within, like you said, that, that particular system that didn't want to count me out anyway. So making my own table, as we discussed last week, That's and right. doing my thing. And I, I think that for them or you know, the system that be, per se, is more damaging. Because, yes, at that point, we are taking more. And I love that analogy. Um, and, yes, because if somebody did that, you are going to give them 
or not. Not because you're now for what you think you have. I'll give you the little bit that I can, you know, I don't really care about. But now you're taking something from what I care about. So, yes, you're going to be on my radar. Right. And I think those of us that are doing that, um, <clears throat> who are going into, who've taken their passion to full time, those who quit their IT job, you know, after a show and just started to blow up because they were doing their own path, you know, things like that. People take notice. And I will never, ever, every time I hear that story, it just brings joy to my petty heart. <laughs> George, because, you know, there is a little more motivation in everything. You know, Jordan was a man of motivation. He didn't, you know, okay, you got the coffee cup in the wrong hand. He'll use that to do what he did. Now, are, are all of us that bad? No. But there are some things that just, that just, you know, it, it just makes your, your, your back hairs. And I ain't got back hairs. I'm just saying this as a little thing. It just makes it, you know, just tensile up like, really? This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to, okay. If that's the case, let me show you. And it's those things that I hope that, you know, the level of pettiness, I'm not saying you got to be petty, petty, but for entrepreneurs out there and whatever that they're doing, that you got to understand, people are going to say all this crazy stuff all the time for us. Yeah. Whether we're famous, not famous, starting, not starting. Um, but let's show them different. Yes. Let's show them that their words are, 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 are not going to be done as as it is you know there was one thing a guy for me i was in some kind of barbecue group i can't remember and this was pettiness of me um a friend i'm gonna share that story private i won't share that now but anyway bottom line is that i made my own room how about that well that, that was in, that was the end of the story i made my own room and it's doing very well which i'm very very proud of um but as entrepreneurs whether we're in barbecue or not, um, we got to have a little bit of that chip on our shoulder. You do, and it's 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 it has to be uh, motivating because I I always laugh whenever I overhear someone say, you know, there's not there's not money in X Y and Z, or there's not money in in barbecue, or there's not this. Um, I said it earlier because it was necessary, but competency and comprehension go hand in hand. And if you're an entrepreneur, you need to understand that competency and comprehension is the difference between uh, $12,000 a year and $120,000 a year partnership contract. That's what, that's what competency and comprehension can, can, can do for you. And as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to admit and understand your faults and seek out help, which can be hard. You know, everyone wants to reach up you need, need to reach across first. You have to know someone else in your in your region and, and, and build and stack and move that way because then you're you're as a larger whole, you're stronger. I think that is a, a part that's often missed. And I'll speak on it in regards to the barbecue community specifically. It's a multi-billion dollar business. When you have places like Blackwater and the the Peyton Manning family using their escrow company to buy barbecue businesses and invest left and right. They bought one of my partners, a couple other companies bought some of the partners I'm with. People like that don't spend money to lose it. They're buying it because they know there's money there. So you got to start paying attention. Don't, there's an old thing called the Charleston Shuffle, which is where it's a, it's a magic trick where I'm having you look over here while this hand's doing what needs to be done. Don't get too distracted you know, if they're really shoving something at you, take a step back and look around and see like, all right, what am I, what am I not seeing here? Like what's, what's, oh, Weber's listed on the IPL. Like they're, they're doing this. Well, look at it this way. What is ever, every Weber made out of metal? Are, is Weber going to stop making Weber kettles? No, you should probably start looking at what companies they use to source their metal and then see if those listed companies are owned by a larger entity that's publicly traded. And then you buy that stock and you just hang out. Why? Because Weber's not going to close their doors. They're going to keep <laughs> making Keep going. There's so much depth and levels to the business part of this that sometimes it's frightening. You know, I spoke on my podcast that this year there's two and a half percent less cattle. Oh, that's not bad. Mm, that's about nine and a half million less cows. 
that's a lot less briskets, a lot less ribs, a lot less ribeyes, a lot less of everything. So that means, hey, should probably start doing a little bit of digging and research and figure out what's happening. But that's the business side of all that stuff that I can talk about forever. But as an entrepreneur and as someone in barbecue, you have to know multiple facets. You can't be a pit master if all you can cook on is a Traeger or a rig that you have to plug in. That's that's not that's not going to work. I don't I don't care what you are. I'm gonna put that out there. You can't be if that's your only go to. If you can't stack a fire, if you can't split a stack, if you can't identify your wood, a pit master, you're a farmer, you're a scientist, you're a botanist, you're an arborist, you're a craftsman, you're an engineer, you're a whole lot of things because it takes a lot of that stuff to make it work. I just recently stopped splitting my own wood and Rodney gave me crap for it because um, his uh, his Netflix show aired a month before my show aired. And that day I'd had someone offer to start supplying me wood. I was like, oh, okay, I'll think about it. And then his Netflix show aired and he said that he just stopped splitting wood. And I called him after, I was like, Rodney, you realize I just, I just got an offer for wood and now I'm finding out you were just stopped splitting. So I told him no. <laughs> He's like, yeah. so I literally <laughs> up until a few months ago, I was still splitting and I still do go out and source my own wood. That was one of the hustles that I did when I started. So I'll, I'll give you guys game. So if anybody in here is in here listening for barbecue, take notes, uh, get a pen. This is this. These next four or five bullet points is all game for barbecue. How I started my tips and tricks. If you're running a rig that uses wood, like I did, and am, you need wood, you need fuel. Try to find free wood. Well, how do you find free wood? Craigslist. Whenever there is a horrible storm, get on Craigslist the very next morning and start searching for free wood. Look for firewood, look for storm, and you'll see so many people like, this tree fell, who wants it? I can't tell you, I've never bought wood. I've never, really? for, I've never paid for a single split. <clears throat> Why? Because I got on credit and I realized that wood is expensive, but if I can mm -hmm. acquire it by just putting in some elbow grease, I can keep my costs low. So I would go on Craigslist. It was a ridiculous storm last week. I still went on Craigslist and found some uh, people who had fallen trees. It was like, hey, I'll be over. Why? Because I'm still not too big to swing an ax and split some stacks. That's me, I'm perfectly fine with it, I love it. It's a great workout routine. So that's what I did to lower my costs. I started sourcing my own wood and got it for free. And that was one less cost that I had to pass on to the customer. So that allows me to keep my product costs low. Cool, so you got your wood, you've got your fuel, you're trying to get uh, more customers. Pop-ups work, but you never know how much money you're gonna make right? Mm -hmm. Try to find ways to get a guaranteed reoccurring income. How do you do that? <clears throat> Tip number two. What I did was I was at the dealership buying a truck and it was a Saturday and I realized these guys haven't left, but they're eating. Like what's going on? And they said, oh yeah, we order in on weekends because it costs the dealership more money when the employees leave and it's cheaper for them to order in to have them. I said, cool, yeah, I'm gonna take the big red one over there and I'll be back tomorrow. So I uh, made a ton of food. I got my stamps, I got my bags, I got my to-go containers, I made sure everything had my name and logo on it and I made a lot of them. And every dealership I dropped off three bags and I'm gonna tell you why you need three bags. One bag has to be for the front desk because you ain't getting nowhere. If you don't take care of the ladies at the front desk because they are traffic control, doesn't no one in that building move without their say-so. Who's next up on deck? What's been sold? What's coming in? Those ladies run it. So I've made three bags, one for them. Second bag was for the GM over sales. Third bag was for the um, manager over uh, auto repair, right? So you bring your car and get your oil change, your tires, the manager, he's got his team. And I made sure they got that so they could try it test it out, and I went up and down my strip where all the dealerships are. It's like dealership lane. There's probably like 15 dealerships there. And I spent an entire day doing that, dropping it off, dropping it off with the menu, 
two days later, I went and I followed back up. I had my shirt on. They recognized it because I had my logo and it was the same logo that dropped off the bomb barbecue. And I said, hey, however much you guys are paying for your lunches, let me give it to you guys. 50 bucks less for the first go around. Let me know if you like it. Oh, we love it. Okay, great. I did that. 12 out of the 15 said yes when I made my second round. Now what did I do? I just went from having to worry about making maybe five grand, to $500 to $1,000 profit on a pop-up, maybe if I get there, to solidifying $500, $600, $800 per dealership order. I started bringing in thousands for one day's cook because all I was doing was one giant cook, portioning it <clears> out, <throat> setting up mm -hmm. times for drop off and be on my way. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to set up and serve. Nope. Here's your guys food. Boom. I'm off to the next one. And I did that continuously. <laughs> and that's how I built up that capital. Uh, third, third bit. I mentioned it, I, how I stamped everything. I put my logo on everything. I told you I'm 6'6". Six, six. I'm a walking billboard. You're going to look at me one way or another. I might as well give you something to look at. So I would always wear my shirt with my logo on it. I can't afford all that. You've got $12.99. You can go to Vistaprint. You can Google Vistaprint discount code and get it for like $9.99. Get one or two of them either embroidered or screen printed with your logo. Rotate them out. Get them in a different color and start shopping go around. You've got to get out there and, and hit the hit the ground running. But I was able to do those things by sourcing my own wood, getting out there, marketing, dropping off the product with kids. And to this day, a lot of these places still order, but I don't do any more. I've got my guys out run and drop that. But that's those were just some of the top, the first three things I would suggest someone who's out there do because they make sense. I know somebody over there is like, oh, I, I got a dealership. I got somebody, or you know somebody who has a dealership, or you've bought a car. If you've bought a car from the dealership, go back there. Hey, I've given you guys my business. I'd like a shot for you guys to give me yours. But bring something to drop off. Bring something they can take. And make sure it looks good. Make sure everything's right. Get you some proper containers. Make sure the presentation is immaculate, because that's your first shot. And then you just keep going from there. Hope that helps somebody somewhere. So let me see here. Somebody, uh, somebody, uh, jot this down in the comments for me. We got free wood. Check the Craigslist. Yep. Free wood because especially if you're running those stick burners. <clears throat> yeah, I just, yeah, I just spent some money on some Apple just not too long ago. Um, so check out Craigslist, especially after a big storm. That was tip number one. Two pop ups are good, but constant gigs are better. Yes, sir. Constant gigs are better. He gave you the advice on the now a friend of mine here, Roy, he was like Bedford Auto Mile. We live that's my high school um friend and we have this long stretch, they call it the Bedford Auto Mile, just of, of car dealerships everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, Roy, we're gonna be hitting up Bedford Auto Mile. <laughs> um but constant gigs. And then sure. because that, you have that, that stretch. That, Imagine you've got we'll keep the math simple. Imagine you've got ten dealerships that say yes out of that whole stretch. And you're charging them 500 bucks. And these dealerships, it's for everybody. There's 80 guys in there, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes between the mechanics and all. It's a lot of bodies. So you look at that and you're like, oh, well, that's not, I'm, I'm only making this or this. No, you're doing one big cook, one fire up. That's it. And then you're breaking it down. And maybe you break even on the first one. Hey, there's four weekends in a month. Yes. So if your first weekend is breaking even, you got three weekends of profit. Oh, and guess what? 80 guys? Well, someone's got a birthday party, a bachelor party. Someone's got a kid's birthday party. Right, someone needs right, something right, for right. Someone needs something for you build on it. There you go. I'm going to give you all one more. You know, one more. I'm going to say this little side from there. I'll probably get it. That's a lot. I'll probably give me guys a lot more. <laughs> uh, but the next one is when you get to the level where you can start shipping your items, Talk to the people who ship your items. My post office people, they know me by name. I know them, Miss Name. Uh, shout out, Miss Johnson. I doubt you're watching. You don't have Instagram, but if you are. Um, <laughs> talk to them, and I bring them 
food. I do the same thing. I bring them lunch. Why? Because they ship my packages and they make sure they get where they have to go. That's why. And whenever people see that in line and uh, holidays are around, what are they doing? Oh, you need food? Oh, honey, let me get you so-and-so's card. He's great. You, you probably saw him here drop off food once before. Barbecue guy. Yeah. Last year, I can't tell you how many gigs I got just from the post office. Just from the post office. Like, I didn't have to put anything out. When I, when I told her I was going to do it, she said, I got you, sweetie. I was, the post office alone met my quota that I had. I was like, well, I, I got to sort of open this up to the rest of the world now. So, but just from the post office. So talk to people, network. Wherever people are is potentially <clears throat> business. You can't, nothing can be sold if they don't know it's for sale. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, oh, this is going to go on. This is going to be, okay, we had, we had the first two. <laughs> what was the, oh, the third one, and this is why I'm trying to get better at too, is I got, you know, I got little cards that I try to write on or whatever when I put yeah. in the bag, but I do want to get stickers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next one is put logo on everything. Put that in chat, y'all. Put logo on everything. That's tip number three. So make sure uh, I think the last time that we talked, when you and Richard were on, he was like, make sure you tell him <clears throat> if they're taking the picture, make sure your logo is somewhere so they know where they got that food from. Don't take, they don't, because, you know, we post a lot of our pictures and things. How many people really, really read everything underneath it? We just see the picture and kind of like it and move on. And keep it moving, yep. Yeah. And then we got a bonus here is to talk to people that ship your stuff. If you're shipping a lot of, a lot of people here were, you know, starting to do, you know, some rubs or things or just little things, merch, anything like that. Um, get to your post office, talk to them, feed them. And I hope y'all get an undertoning line of, and this is hard for any startup. Um, there's going to be a lot of sacrifice of finances here. Because yeah. you're going to basically be giving away food. But you're banking on, you know, look. We all believe our barbecue is the bomb. I do, too. If you don't like it, I don't know why you don't. You must be crazy, silly, and, and, and cuckoo because yeah. it's my barbecue. Exactly. But ain't nobody going to know how it tastes if they don't get it. And anybody take a, a, a free a, you know, a free couple bones, whatever, pulled pork, blah, 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 and if they get a hint of what you have, yes, it's a sacrifice. Yes, it's going to you know, put a little hole in your pocket at first. Um, but look at what you can in the end get in return yes but isn't that what sacrifice is about though sacrificing something now for the you know as they say the greater good in the beginning and what entrepreneur journey does not have that how many stories have we heard not that you went broke but how many stories you know maxed all my credit cards still all this or whatever but now you know you got a million dollar company yeah and, and i'm very honored saying? to say that i have that you know um it's very and I'll just tweak certain things. So uh, the doc reminded me of this, and it's a lesson that I, I can't believe I forgot. And I slipped up on a chat, and he was completely right because we talked after. Words matter, and I would just tweak your lexicon a bit to shift it from sacrifice to investment because you are a yes. entrepreneur. Yes. yes. Everything <laughs> is an investment, and everything ends up with an ROI. So words matter. So what are you investing and what is your ROI, which is your return on that investment? I'll give you the nutshell version of how it all went down. My very first pop-up was at Creature Comforts in Athens. It started on a failure. The night before, the commissary power had gone out sometime earlier in the day and the fridges never closed and all my meat went bad. I'm supposed to be at this venue in like nine hours to start cooking and doing for, which they did not tell me was the Georgia opening game. All my meat went bad. When I tell you I gave myself five minutes, I sat down in front of the fridge and I said, all right, is this you telling me not to do it or are you trying to see how bad I want it? Well, mom and raise no punk, so let's get to work. I hit up every Walmart, every store I could to try to get Anything that was open because it was late, stayed up seasoning, prepping, did it all over, went. By the time I was done, it was time to leave, headed out to the venue, started rolling smoke. We had a line. If anyone's ever been to Creature Comforts, we had a line literally wrapped around the building. It was so many people there. 
the owner came out and was like, what are you putting in food? We do beer releases and we've never seen this many people before. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's when I knew. And I said, okay, cool. I got to make that investment. That's why I'm doing my whole giveaway, which I'll be actually, and I'll get you, uh, I'll get you to pick a number later and we'll figure out who won the giveaway. But I started the business with $472. Uh, I'm, I'm a Jamaican and any island or anywhere, we've all got that water jug in the corner where you just drop change in. You just keep it moving. You don't even think about it. Yeah. And I had that jug for years. And I said, I'm not going to go into my savings. I work for Apple. I had stock. I've got all this stuff. I was like, no, if I want to start the business, this is what it's going to be with. Whatever amount I have here, that's what I start the business with. I went to a store. That's where I went to a bank. And another tip, I think, what is this, tip five? Don't to, wait until you grow. But when you're starting out, go to your local bank to open up your account because they appreciate your money more than a Chase or Bank of America or whatever. When you get to a certain level, you can shift things over. And I'm only <clears> saying this because I did. I started with a local bank and then we started grossing obscene amounts and I went to a larger one because they started to offer me more perks. But I still do little things through my bank for holdings and what. But that's a whole nother podcast. And I would just I would just add on to that if I could. <clears throat> your credit unions. If you have if you have local uh, black owned credit unions, use them. Use them. Yes, please go. Yeah. Um, so I went there. I used their Coinstar machine that didn't have um, any payout like depreciation. Like if you go to a Kroger, they want ten to fifteen percent. They had one that didn't take any percentage. Tallied it all up was like four hundred seventy-two dollars and thirty odd cents. I used that money, opened up uh, a business account. I got myself some checks because I'd already got my EIN and filed my LLC and all that. And that was the money I started business with. I've been flipping that same four hundred seventy-two dollars into a multi-million-dollar business now. As you can tell, we haven't completed our 12 commandments of barbecue and entrepreneurship. So join us again for part two. Now, when we come back for part two, please make sure that you have your pens and your paper ready to continue to take notes. But until we see each other or hear each other again, uh, you take care of yourselves and go on, throw something on the grill. We'll see you next time.